we need to improve the training methods because we are kind of sleeping there. We think we have, a, we found a good answers to many things, but you know, what blocks us from the good to find better is the fact that we need to be pushed to look beyond what is obvious. We always train what is obvious, but we have to look for those invisible aspects of baseball. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I'm Jonathan Gellner and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to have on our first international guest in Josef Fruchik from the Fighting Monkey Baseball Group. So let me ask you a question. What do a 20-pound wooden ball, a tennis ball on a string, and learning the history of the Spartans have to do with building better baseball players? Well, you're about to find out. Without further ado, here is Josef Fruchik. Yosef, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much for the invitation, Jonathan. Oh, absolutely, and, and I'm so glad we were able to finally connect. And I know with the the time restraints a little bit, we had to check our schedules, and, and but I'm so glad I was able to get you on the show today. So talk to our listeners about, uh, you know, how you got into the game of baseball. You know, we, we've done a really long research in a university kind of uh, platform. So we've been doing research with my wife for the last 15 years on uh, basically on uh, biomechanics, on the movement, on on dance, on kind of trying to improve the um, life and longevity of, uh, you know, the athletes that are passing through very uh, high mm, pressure and, and more people are kind of pressuring them to have a better, better outcomes from their trainings. And so... Um, um, of course, we get many different students from many different sports. We meet many different athletes, and one of our um, one of our students that came to us like four years ago, he was like an, starting to be a pro baseball player, and uh, well, he just chosen not to be for many different reasons. But he's very talented, very intelligent uh, guy, and he started to train with us, and he found so many similarities and so many important elements that we work with in fighting monkey research that would be very valuable for baseball players. And so that was the kind of pathway to, to baseball research as well. And you mentioned earlier that you didn't grow up knowing much about baseball, that you, that you watched it. And, and so I also said that I have a huge respect for people who are really good at what they do that don't really grow up doing that type of thing. And so talk to us about how popular baseball is in Greece. You know, like of course, the baseball is growing in popularity also in Europe, and I think they um, sooner or later, you know, like uh, it will pick up the pace of, of like I mean, the best uh, baseball uh, teams. You know, I, I I like baseball. I mean, it's it's something that I haven't done ever in my life. But you know, I have the capacity then to look from a little bit from outside what's going on and uh, maybe study with more fresh eye why why the best players are getting injured so much and what could be improved in their in their training because the really only solutions that we see now is that people that have some trouble they do more strength training and if they need to improve the the speed or reaction there's they they are kind of they are kind of boxed and they always use the same same pathway of um, finding solutions so maybe sometimes a fresh eye from outside can find a different variability into our training um, options Staying on that same subject, on your website, you get, you mentioned that diversity breeds immunity, and I, I love that. But tell us what you mean by that. Okay, the one thing uh, which is not directed um, immediately to, to what Fighting Monkey does, but 
uh, okay, we, we create a platform in which we are testing various situations, in which we are testing how people are getting injured, how they can perform better under pressure. And uh, me and Linda, of course, are at the, at the forefront of, of, the, of the research, but we don't want to have a centralized power because, you know, like two brains are only two brains. So what, what we are doing, we are giving a kind of creative task or um, kind of obstacle tasks to our students and they have to solve some things for us. And so, you know, we're creating kind of uh, a wider consciousness that can bring or um, wider testing that can bring very valuable information to us. And so we can improve whatever we are working on. That's why we are saying diversity breeds immunity, because every great system creates a great deficiency. If you believe that your training system is the best and you will stack to it, you will probably find sooner or later a big troubles mm -hmm. that that means it applies to yoga it applies to boxing it applies to every single sport that we are doing every single activity we need to be changing and altering time to time our our patterns in order to keep proprioceptive variabilities in our bodies and stay healthy and maybe last for a little bit longer before we get injured or we retire from uh, from the professional sports and so is that something that you think maybe traditional baseball coaches get wrong we we kind of do the same thing over and over and over and over and over over time. Uh, I don't know what anyone else is doing. I mean, I see only what I see, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I just have the feeling there is a, there's a little bit of like an ener energetical blockage. So I, you know, sometimes I feel like um, when we need to refine the technique or we need to find the speed, you know, we always think the strength is the is the is the kind of answer to it. But I just feel, you know, like. There are many things that come before the strength, like what we work on in our athletic research is that you first work with coordination. Mm -hmm. And when coordination is kind of getting more organized, then you find a rhythm and the rhythm, rhythm leads you to kinetic potential and kinetic potential leads you to power exploration and power exploration only then leads you to a strength training. But the kind of strength has become like such a very dominant um, kind of feeling in a, or like a very dominant aspect of, of our practice. While we are very much underlooking how the rhythm coordination and development of kinetic potential can give us more improvement in sports. I love that. So say that I lived in Greece and I was a baseball player and, and I came to you and I said, Yosef, uh, I would love to be trained by you guys. So what would be the first thing that, that we would do? Oh, you would have to play a baseball. Yeah, because, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't want to say, you know, like, if you do a baseball and something is is wrong, you have to do something else. It, every baseball player have to do baseball. That's their primal practice. That's where they have to spend most of the time. And if everything is okay, you should be doing only baseball. You should be dreaming baseball. You should be eating baseball. You should only do that one thing. So you should be completely absorbed by it. But what do you do when things go wrong? Then you have to have a, then you have to look at what is happening. And we have to kind of, with a clean eyes, try to see what, where approximately are your deficiencies, where might be your future injuries, or what kind of mechanical patterns are reappearing that lead you to not have that maybe optimal kind of performance underneath the pressure that baseball season gives you. Well, I love that. And, and how many days of, of the week do you uh, usually work with the guys that you work with? Oh, you know, like we don't have that many. I mean, we are very diverse and it, we, we really do not want to orient it towards only one sport. But if you would, if you would enter a program that would be, uh, that would be for baseball player, you would have to create kind of movement snacks that you would have to like, um, 
injecting a little virus into you a little by little so your your neuromuscular patterns they would slowly change and maybe you would rewire slightly to have a better reflex to have a better decision making under under pressure situations and so one of my favorite uh, things that you guys put out you put out a baseball video on uh, youtube and I noticed yep. there was a lot of different drills that you guys were doing. Would would you mind explaining a couple of those, and and I'll just throw them out there to you, and you can kind of tell me uh, what your what your focus is on that drill. I'll also put a link down in the show notes so our viewers can uh, can look at this and and then listen to this as well. But the first mm-hmm. one I want to ask you about is you guys had a tennis ball on a string, and yep. you're swinging it around. Can you talk to us about what that is? Okay, so we call it a practice ball, and this is one of the oldest tools that we are using. This is actually a tool that makes you move more. It can be used, we mainly using for a boxing skills. We are mainly using it to create a, a kind of a proprioceptive variability, more variability in your joint, uh, joint coordinations. So it can be uh, used as an, as an absolute tool, an ultimate tool for the healthiness of your joints, because there are so many variabilities you can do with it. You can have a better perception of the of the speed the distance depth in the space you can have work perfectly in the balance what do we do now in balancing uh, training or perceptional training is hardly you can see anywhere else you can you can work rhythm you can work 360 degrees you know orientation in the space so you can work a coordination you can work speed you can make a decision on when to enter when to withdraw when to do action when to do not action exactly what what is necessary when you do professional sports no that's great what what about the large wooden ball where you've got it you've got it all yeah yeah, so so is it a large wooden ball that's what it looks like yeah so uh, you know we we created a series of abstract tools so you know you have traditional uh, you have traditional tools that you find in a gym right sure. so you can have a you can have a very heavy kettlebells you can have a very heavy barbells um they really create a, a lot of a strength but the problem is that uh, you know when you have something very heavy and it building up a lot of strength in your in your in your core in your legs in your upper body or whatever but you need to use only one certain um trajectory to manipulate that whatever object would be. So what we also realized that these heavy weights are really wearing off the joints mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the of the athletes. And and I was saying, yes, of course, everyone wants to have an athlete to be on the edge and push the boundaries and be the best. But do we really have to abuse the athletes' bodies? And I really don't think so. We just have to become more smart how a smaller weight can create so much trouble for the body as the big weight and bring more creativity into your body so we can adjust in a time of 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 stress in a time of difficulties of the time of unknown so this wooden ball besides that it is made from a wood it's from made from very precious material you know if you would look at chinese medicine let's say so if you work with the wood it affects the quality of your tendons ligaments and where you would get injured in a baseball i maybe you, you will prove me wrong but i think there is a lot of injuries and around the ligaments and ten, uh, the tendons in a, in a baseball right. and so that wood, that wood has a uh, has certain uh, holistic aspect on your body but plus it's a 9 9 kilograms 9 kilograms is very little weight but we have a uh, training methods that are so complex that even the very trained i mean i mean super trained people have almost difficulties to leave that to, to leave that ball after 5 or 6 minutes 
So with, with that with the tool that is ungraspable, that is very slidey, it's very difficult to catch, you can highly improve the interconnectivity of your joints. And that's what you want. That's what you want in the baseball. You want that your body works in a one rhythmical unity, spending less energy on moving, but rather more putting more energy into where you have to react properly and make the right decisions. And like you said, that that was a great story. Whenever I'm just looking at a wooden ball and you're talking about the holistic approaches, that's really neat. I will give you a simple example. Okay, you, you how are you gonna how you make a hundred meter sprint? How are you gonna make that extra little time to be first one? This you know this is not a technique anymore. There is something a little bit extra, and it is the quality of your imagination, the quality of your of the perception, quality that of the relation that you create to your sport, to your sprint, or to your baseball, or to a basketball, or to a boxing. So, you know, like there is a there is something that you can technically manage, but then is a spirit of how you do things, how you perform things, which kind of relation, which how you talk to yourself, how you talk to yourself before the before the before you have a before you have a competition. If you're down spirit, I'm sure you will not win. So how are you going to push yourself forward, especially in a difficult moments, not when everything goes right. And these kind of little elements are involved in our training. Oh, that's great. So there was one more that drill that really caught my eye. It was there was a bunch of sticks that were put into the ground. <laughs> and I, I, sorry if, if I, I this is my best explanation that I can give because it's so it's, it's just so untraditional, which I love. Uh, but it's got the sticks in the ground and the guy is is going through his pitching motion and just working his front foot through those. So what's the purpose of that drill? Okay, so look what we are, what we are usually doing when we when we work on a speed, you know, like we have all the letters on the floor, or we have a cons and we work between the cons. The the fact is that when you put a little wooden sticks, what it does, anytime you make a little little mistake, the small stick will fall. Mm -hmm. So what you are working on is not only that you are working, uh, that you work your conditioning, that you work your endurance, but you also work fine motorics while you're fully engaged in a super athletic training cycle so your brain has to compute more things so you are kind of stimulating very stressful environment uh, because we always think that we have to stress athletes by shouting on them creating more uh, more volume or more intensity of the training no the brain after a while very quickly accommodates to those external stimuli and perceive them as the normal ones and then when they have competition they fail anyway so we are trying to trick the brain with kind of very untraditional training methods where, you know, like you have a boxing drill. So you put this, you can put the cons and make your footwork there. But if I put a wooden stick, if you make a little mistake, the sticks will be falling all the time. So imagine that you have to follow a ball or you have to follow your partners on the, on the field. Plus, you have to be doing coordination, so it means you have to perceive the space and be aware where those sticks are on the floor, so your brain is computing many different small details from an environment, and then you are more able to execute right decision when, when there is very little time within which you can operate. Well, that makes complete sense. Now that you've explained it, I'm going to have to go back and look and, and, and really dig in, because it's not something that I've done in the past. I, I'll... I'll fully admit that, but it's something that I'll be looking to do uh, in the near future for sure. You just try it. You know, many things will improve. We have we have many people working with us. We have we have kids they had the troubles, or they, we have people that got concussion, like a professional hockey players, mm -hmm. and they are getting really, really incredible results. 
and it doesn't take a long time. I just believe, you know, I'm, my background was in art. And you know what, what is the most important thing in art is that um, you need to stay creative, you always need to find a little alternation. And you know, my past, the past of my of my wife that is in the research, she's she's been a national champion in gymnast, sport gymnastics. I was selected for a national team, a ba- basketball national team, when I was a junior. Uh, but you know, of course, both of us we found after to do something else. And uh, you know that the background in athletics and then uh, going into art field gave us a great, great upper, like a upper hand on understanding how the trainings could be improved. I think we need to, uh, you know, like you, we need to improve the training methods because we are kind of sleeping there. We think we have, a, we found a good answers to many things, but you know what blocks us from the good to find better is the fact that we need to be pushed to look beyond what is obvious. We always train what is obvious, but we have to look for those invisible aspects of baseball where these guys can improve their performance. And it seems like when we're looking around, there is and there is very little creativity. And that's not bad. Maybe people found really the best, the most effective training. But I don't think effective is always the best. Sometimes this ineffectiveness in the training can bring super effectiveness in the performance in the actual actual competition sure and is that the randomization aspect of what you guys are are trying to train well you know we are not only trying we have already a very high highly um we have very good results what what we are working on is that we call it a movement situation so the movement situation is like let's say you have a sport you have a let's say you have a baseball Mm -hmm. and the baseball have certain rules so it is like every sport has a four lines that enclose the, the rules. When you enclose the rules, you can have a champion. When you open the rules, you cannot have a champion. No one can be black belt in life. Everyone can be black belt in that particular aspect of a game that they play. So what we do, we open up these rules that you would have maybe even in baseball, and we make it much more difficult for you to execute the usual patterns that you have to do in your, in your sport. We take the we take away from from you the tools that are available to you. So you have to become you're forced to become um, more creative and find solutions. So um, in these movement situations, when we see that you are getting accommodated to the new stressors, we alter the game and we alter it forever. So you're never gonna find yourself fully accommodated to a new stressors. Okay, and that leads me to my next question, which. The more I get into it and every other year or every year going forward, I'm trying to find things that I can measure. And Mm -hmm. so you talked about how you once they get accommodated, then you want to change the stress or change the activity a little bit. How do you how do you know when they do get accommodated to that or even just what are your favorite things to measure in general? You know, a measurement in sport has uh, been been very dominated because you know, <laughs> I it almost philosophically when you look at it from the time of Nietzsche, we thought that the science is gonna solve it all. But you have, I, I've I've seen many times, <laughs> like and even uh, I I don't I cannot uh, mention the name, but we've also been collaborating with someone who's been Olympic champion and everything. And you know, it's someone who didn't really ever cared on how we're gonna measure his results, but what could be measurable is his happiness, is his quality of engagement, the uh, the capacity to overcome the injury, or the having a uh, having a enough of energetical pool to uh, allow transformation of his skills in his particular sport to happen. You know, you have many players that do understand something is going wrong. They know. 
but they have not enough energy to allow the transformation to happen. And that's beyond measurable. So, you know, like you, you take a player, it, it is not enough to train the body. You know, it, there is no body and mind. You need to understand that athletes are human beings. And sometimes to push someone beyond their limits, it's much more mental thing than only a physical. So it's how much you press or how much, you know, uh, uh, you know, here you can measure the speed. But, you know, I think baseball is a tactical game as well. You know, like how are you going to perceive what is the intuition in, in baseball? How are you going to measure intuition? Because how you wanna how are you going to know where the ball is flying? And when to hit and when not. This is a partly science, partly imagination, partly a quality of experience. And that's, um, that's something almost a godly kind of uh, godly experience that these best players they have. That's what I've seen. So it's a combination of technicality, combination of intuition, combination of creativity, combination of being attuned to the game. How are you going to measure someone being attuned? This is not measured on the stopwatch. This is not measured on the weight you lift. Of course, these are very important elements of the athletic development. But we putting too much, too much attention only there and we completely forgetting other very important invisible parts of the game. Well, that's awesome. And, and, and you sound like that that's really the first place that you guys start is, is measuring a person's happiness and energy level. And is that like a conversation that you guys have as soon as you see um, your trainees every single day? Well, you know, like there must be, there must, it must be balanced. And so I don't give an impression, impression to listeners that I, I would be only checking their happiness. I have a very good eye. I have over 22 years of experience in um, checking biomechanics. You know, whatever sport you do, you do boxing or you do baseball, I can very quickly recognize if there is something wrong in the coordination that you do or if something could be improved or there is some parts that we, you are not so much aware. So I will, this is like a ground level. This is earth level. On that earth level, that basic level, like a gravity level, I will try to help you to be, become more aware in, in training, not in a performance, not in a competition. But in a training, I will try to make you aware where you could improve. So I will, train the, I will change the training um, a session to such an intensity that your prefrontal cortex will be able to a little bit have a time for analysis of what you're doing, and you will be able to do a slight uh, rewiring of your neuromuscular system. And I'll be looking for different creative uh, solutions to have a better eye for you, better movement, better perception of the depth of the space, which is extremely important for catching, for pitching, for everything. And um, so this would be the base. This would be like an earth. Then we would be looking at application if it applies. And then we're looking at a kind of philosophical aspect of your position. How do you sense the game? How do you feel the game? How do you find the happiness? How do you find the dancing in, in, in the game? You know, that's, that's something funny that I always ask, at least the, the hitters, is I can always tell if they can dance or not. And so we're talking about, you know, having a rhythm in the box or, or having a, having a yeah. ryth rhythm on the mound. I'm like, can you dance? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, we need to learn that. I think that's going to help you. Well, of course, you know, uh, we, all, we kind of, um, uh, if you look at them, um, maybe, that, <laughs> maybe the people that are only looking at the, the baseball, only basketball and the stuck in our Western culture, but look at really where all, everything started, where all started all the uh, competition. You know, it started somewhere in a tribal dancing. So we have these great guys in Africa that have been, mm, I mean, dancing together, having a kind of social interaction. They've been, they've been singing together. 
they've been doing that kind of amazing, physically, absolutely incredible endurance um, um, tribal dancing, and that led to competition, whatever competition that would be. Look at them, um, you know, like uh, I live in Greece and we study, of course, sports, how the sports, they evolve in Greece. Now, everyone says, oh, Spartans. And everyone thinks, what are great fighters? But you need to understand that Spartans were learning something about dancing first, learning a musical instrument, learning about architecture, philosophy, and then fighting. Hmm. So it was, the base was made of being able to dance together. And only then the, the, the Spartan fighters, they could move in a flank. That's what, that would make them in, invincible. Because they were moving large groups of people in one rhythmical unity. No other army could do that at that time. And they, has a, they had a sense of poetry. They, they understood architecture. So if you understand architecture, you read the space in a very different way. They could understand where it would be strategically better to place the army in a mountain, in the valley, or where to meet an enemy. And I think that kind of strategy is necessary to be uh, kind of analyzed also in baseball. So I don't think like this, again, this Western scientific approach is answer to everything. It is answer to many things, but not to everything. That's awesome. I didn't know we were getting a uh, history lesson today. And, and just, so you, <laughs> just so you know, I teach, uh, I teach U.S. history. And mm-hmm. uh, also, I've, I've taught world history in the past. And, and I love the Spartan theory. And I had never heard that before. So that's, that's fantastic. I, that's why I said I like to look this invisible because, of course, we always perceive these informations that are always available at first. But I'm sure if we, we can have a look on it once together and, and you will see there's a, there's a great knowledge there. Oh, definitely. So, Yosef, you seem like you're a guy who is consistently trying to better himself and trying to learn. So what is the latest thing that you've learned that you're really excited about? Well, I am I'm discovering more and more um, the aging process. And I'm, and I'm extremely excited about it. You know, I see how my, how my body's aging. I, I can still manage many things. And I, and I try to see how I can kind of make my metabolism working better, how I can make my joints younger, how I can, how I can still smile and have the same energy as when I was 90 or when I was 15 or when I see my kids now discovering the universe. And I think that is something that is that is creating more and more passion for me to spend in analysis of the movement, analysis of the sports, analysis of the, how we have created rules. So the latest development is what we call what is beyond the name and the form. So, for example, we meet the greatest judokas, and I will be also in summer uh, teaching a national team in in Denmark. You know, like what was before the name was created or what was there before, like if you could have a look at history of baseball, let's say, let's not call it a baseball. What this, what was there at the beginning? What was the initial kind of sparkling moment that led and had so much potential and momentum that this game grew so much in many years and so many people are loving it and following it. So I am very much interested in that seed and that exploration is kind of uh, giving me uh, more energy to go forward and uh, explore more. So this is something that I am absolutely overwhelmed with, and I, and I put all my energy there. So what are some of the things that are helping you age so well that, that you were mentioning earlier? You know, I mean, I feel well. <laughs> of course, we have, a, we, have a great, <laughs> we have a great program. We call it the zero forms. So it's like a kinetic hygiene. So 
And instead of athletes spending time first on warming up, then going to training, then do um, recovery, and then do a strength training, we kind of managed to create a very interesting uh, online uh, program and also individual program for people to combine those things into one uh, thing. So like if you properly work your joints, uh, well now, uh, okay, I oversimplify <laughs> working properly the joints. It's, it's just difficult to explain now through the podcast. But sure. if you create a good kinetic hygiene, you can work your strength and rehabilitation almost in the same time. And I think that's almost a revolutionary idea. You know, how you can prepare yourself in the morning that you will be, your body is ready to perform on a high level until the evening. And this is something we've been studying for the last 15 years. I'm, I'm, I'm over 22 years working with a very good uh, master of Chinese medicine and, uh, and the kind of um, working with traditional forms, how they rehabilitate the joints. So we have spent a lot of, lot of uh, time on that. So we, we work a lot, a lot on zero forms. We work a lot on striking forms, body-body forms, and of course, uh, working with the materials so, uh, and tools. So it's a combination, we call it, um, we call it a kind of, kind of cycle within which we alternate the training methods. Got it. So if we were going to try and dig in and read some of your favorite resources, your books, your programs, or anything that you've really enjoyed lately, uh, what are some of your favorite resources? <laughs> well, lately... I was reading many Zen books. I don't know if this would be helpful to anyone, but I, I, in, in one way or another, it is an incredible... Um, I mean, I am in a kind of Zen Buddhism reading. I'm not a Zen Buddhist, I, I, but I read their beautiful thoughts and the beautiful breaking of a structure for for last 15 years. And uh, somehow that, that, um, that mind that uh, is able to respond to what is available, what is the, to, to what is present, is, is something that is very important for anyone who is doing competing, for anyone who is, who is engaged in, uh, in difficulties, anyone who is, who is facing unpredictable. So uh, there I spend uh, a lot of time in studies, of course, studying how we are making a constructs and how we can break those constructs so they don't block us from seeing what is available to us in our environment. And are there any books or programs that shape the way that, that you guys train baseball players or just athletes in general oh uh, it mainly comes from our long research i must say that to a certain extent i want to keep myself ignorant so i don't follow much of what's going on we are like a little bit hidden in the mountains we do what we have to do and what uh, inspires us and uh, we let the reading for the people that are coming to us and they inform us <laughs> how it works in um, in the in the external world you know when you read too much you also kind of, you can sometimes very much influence, you cannot, uh, or you oppose things that people are proposing. So many times it's very important you shut all your senses for a little while to the external world and you do what is necessary to do or what you feel it's important. Well, Yosef, thank you so much for being with us today. And, and I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know that, that we have an eight hour difference and it's and it's getting a little late over in Greece. but. Uh, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do so? Oh, they just find on the, on the website there is an email and uh, we respond quite fast. We have people in our office that um, like to communicate. <laughs> and uh, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Uh, I wish for everyone, you know, like just to be more themselves and not follow the dreams of other people so they can fulfill their lives and uh, 
be happy, laughing teethlessly maybe when they are when they are old, but being happy for what they've done in their life. Well, that's great advice. And again, Joseph, thank you so much for being on. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for inviting me. Have a nice day, everyone. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. I hope you enjoyed the show and got something from our outstanding guest. If you're wanting to listen to past shows and get alerts for new ones, Ahead of the Curve is now available on the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association app, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please consider writing a review or rating the show so other coaches can find and stay ahead of the curve.